0: Block Talk Radio Good morning listeners. You've reached the voices of the cannabis war where we are here to tell you about what's going on in this world straight from the mouths of prisoners, defendants, uh volunteers and everything that everyone out there um through this this actual radio show sponsored by C C H I two thousand sixteen. So we'd like to give a special thank you for them for giving us this platform. Uh, We've got Becca on the back end um, screening phone calls. We want to especially thank Becca, who is a a board member for the Human Solution International. Uh, Mindy's taken the day off, but of course we always want to thank Mindy and Eugene Fisher, who is um, the other host of the show. Today we've got a very, 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 very good show lined up. Our first guest, Oh, and myself. I am Kristen Floor. Our first guest today is going to be George Montorano. He usually has a radio show segment about 945 every Sunday, but he's going to go first today because the topic of the show is prison love. And after 33 years of being incarcerated, George has a story or two or 10 to tell. We don't know yet, but he's going to be first today. After George, we're going to hear from Craig Cecil, who is serving his 13th year of his life sentence for marijuana. Craig has a story to tell about prison love. And then after that, after Craig, about 945, Eugene is going to talk about a very special love story between about Bill LaMorte, who was a prisoner of serving a life sentence for for the plant, and he died in prison of a heart attack Um and Eugene's going to tell us about the love that surrounded him when he left our earth. And I am going to tell, talk just a little bit briefly about my mom and dad's love and how they were separated uh, towards the end of their 36-year marriage to go to prison and be without each other. And that's it. Um, that's going to go on until 10. Um, and then after 10, we got Stephanie Landa coming on. And just recently, Stephanie raised over $7,000 for prisoners' commissary. So we're going to read some messages from some prisoners, and we're going to talk about Stephanie's uh, love situation uh, in prison or anything Stephanie wants to talk to, we're going to talk about it. And then at 1015, there is a lot going on with the ONAC um, in a spiritual tribe, Native Spiritual Tribal Church. Uh, Joy Gates is a tribal church leader, and she's going to come on and talk about the latest news um, regarding the plant and regarding their mission to help each other um that is a very very big news story you don't want to miss out on that and then we also have at 10:30 we're going to go to open mic so um we're going to talk to we're going to talk to uh Tom Corby from Northern California and then anybody else that wants to call we can squeeze you in just um call this number it is 917-889-8298 If you don't get on today, send me a message if you have a current news story that you want to tell, and we'll schedule it for a future show. Uh, But first, again, my name is Kristen Flohr, and we've got Eugene Fisher here, who is the other host of the show. Eugene served 25 years of a life sentence in prison for cannabis. Now he's free, he got himself free, and he's here to help me host this radio show. So you were talking to Eugene Fisher. Good morning, Eugene.
1: Good morning, Christian. Good morning, listeners. Uh, Christian, Today's since this program is love. on
2: uh,
1: love, <laughs> I want to read very briefly uh, a quote from the Bible. I usually don't quote the Bible, Christian, but I'm going to quote it because this is so beautiful. This is from First Corinthians thirteen, four to eight. Love is patient. Love is kind. always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails.
0: Oh, I like it, Eugene. That's sweet.
1: Yeah, I think it says so much about what love, real love is about. Not Not... You know, not phony, uh, casual things, but real love.
0: For and, sure, uh, for
1: sure. You know, it makes the world go round, Christian. Uh, that's if we don't have love, we don't have any.
0: And that's what we're going to talk about. Is you know what happens to love when you go to prison? Does it? I don't think it dies, but sometimes it does fall apart. And um, we've got our first guest, George Monterano, on the line right now. Um, that's what I want to know from you guys. Like, what happened? What's going on out there? Um, George, welcome. To hey, the uh, voice of- hey, George. Hey, good
1: morning. Good morning. Good morning, Christian, Good morning, Gene. That- good morning, George. George, give us hey. some of your insights into this topic of love in prison. Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a let me see. It's bumpy. It's rough. Love in prison. Uh, it's 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 the most.
2: It's a reality
1: show that you must swallow, and uh, and it's very difficult. Very difficult. Now there's love of children, and parents. You know that's that's usually uh, that's usually there, but the relationships with girlfriends and wives is a difficult situation. And let me let me let me go to the poem I wrote. And again, I write them uh, right before the show, and I don't even title them. And here we go. So they come, take thee away. Oh, she waits day for day. You cry, she sighs. Both repeat. Oh, why, why, why? Ah, then time darkens in. The love, the love, starts to thin. Her heart goes first, then she. Thy and you curse, but remember through and through. Is and is the love raped from you. There you go. Wow. So, I like it. Uh, you know, uh, as a teacher of... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I had a class. I basically had a class What uh, titled, What Would wife Wifey Do? Because, uh, you know, the women today are, are more independent, uh, and so you get this uh, knock-on-the-head sentence where you're talking 10, 20, 30 years that you're going to die in prison, and... Uh, you basically you're young of age, and now you have tell this uh, young woman <clears throat> to ride with you to the very end. Okay, so <clears throat> I would say I actually numbers today. The numbers today, nine out of ten are going. Okay, so now uh, and then this bumpy road that uh, you're going to get hit with that could hurt could hurt your positivity and doing time, because now you're emotional distorted. You're not thinking clearly. You're uh, If you're doing educational programs, you don't want to go to classroom. You don't want to study. Uh, you have a violent nature. And then you get locked in with another guy, and he uh, don't want to hear your emotional problems. He don't want to hear it. So I've seen situations as Gene where, you know, once they go through this very, very bumpy road with the wife or the long-term <clears throat> girl, you know, it really it really messes up his time and the guy you went and it's and it's going on every day in the state and federal system and relationships. And uh you know, you hear some you hear some uh some great romantic stories, but very, very little. And then you have uh you can go further then you could have the persona of a relationship but this totally has a false, false structure. The guys in jail, he meets someone through someone or writing, and she starts visiting, and they think it's some type of uh, uh, romance or some kind of love. But it's, it's just built on, which <clears throat> it's built on desperation from both parts. From the woman coming to the jail, the guy reaching out, and uh, my, again nine out of them nine out of ten of them cases, when the guy goes out, they never live with each other, and then they try. And as uh, far as my my professionalism as a teacher mentor, what I try to do is uh, give them that course, uh, you know, prepare them for what's coming because it's coming. She's gone or he's going. It's fast, it's faster for the women incarcerated. Them poor girls, they're, they're there's nine out of ten are in there kind the of a guy, and uh, that guy goes quickly. So hmm. you know, and it's, it's happening every day now. What I try to focus on, in reference to uh, you know the romance, a long-term romance and love one has with their children, that's what I try to concentrate on. But I always give a crash course, you know, what will wifey do, and uh, and it's uh, it's. Uh, it's a, it's it's the it's the reality show of emotions within the fourth world, which uh, fourth world means prison. Gene, you know George, uh, I got a question as I listen to you, uh, and you know uh, I respect you immensely. Uh, we became like brothers when we were together in prison, but I got a question for you: Is it inevitable, and George, almost inevitable? that prison will break up a love relationship eventually. Absolutely. Because even, even well, if you can be man enough and uh, if she can be woman enough to say, hey, you know, what I don't know is not going to hurt me, and you can probably sustain the relationship, maybe, maybe five out of ten. If you're man enough, or she's woman enough to, you know, not question the situation out there, because in uh, especially the woman's life, you left her and bills, some bills are still coming through the mail slot. You know, the kids are there, so it's a very difficult, very difficult situation. And uh, she basically she has to move on. Uh, they start moving on first for economically situations. And then also for emotional situations, because you know the heart, the heart is a lonely hunter, and it's going to hunt. So uh, I would say it's going to, in my opinion, especially today. uh, My my father did an awful amount of time, and my mother waited eighteen years uh, faithfully. And uh, is she is she a saint? I'm sure she's a saint. But today you cannot. I wouldn't expect that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, from my daughter, because not that she's a bad person, she just looks has a different outlook on this fast life that we have in this world today. Gene, uh, uh, George, okay, uh, then then I got another question for you. Is it is it the mature thing? Is it the right thing then? If you're gonna if you're sentenced to a long term jail sentence to talk to your wife, if you're the guy going to jail, to talk to your wife and say, you go and build, rebuild a life with whoever you, whoever you find. Is that the right thing well, to do? I, yes, I did that. I did that in the mid-'90s. Uh, I had to uh, let someone go on. We're still friends today. But,
2: uh, you know, it's,
1: it's, not, it's, not, it's not an abundance that that's done. It's very selfish. Uh, the male, like I said, the male and the women incarcerated, uh, crazy as it sounds, become children again. They act uh high school students, very jealous. And uh, incidentally, uh, Gene knows, and a lot of the free world don't know, that's why the cell phone problem is in abundance in these prisons today. Because these guys, girls, they want these cell phones because after a certain time of crime in the evening, you can't go home. So, if the girl or the wife wants to go out, she just waits till you're locked in, which is usually nine forty five nationally nation around the nation so so now they want this cell phone where they're going to make a call it's 11, 12, where's she at, and the guy gets himself more trouble and possibly even more time so emotions in jail have to be have to be looked at in a very womanly or manly manner to make the correct decision because. The worst thing to do is make yourself do hard time, through emotion. So uh, and I try to make uh, some sense of it, but there is no sense. Someone's going to depart. That is 100%. Someone's going to depart. June? Well, yeah, George, uh, when you say it, I have to admit to you, because it's during the time I did, that I saw – some real bad situations where a guy didn't want to let go, and the woman did find another partner, and the the, the guy suffered terribly because he kept reliving the past. And uh, so I hear you exactly what you say, George. Yes. I George. Oh. Yes. Go ahead.
0: What about new love? Like I always hear stories about you know, a lot of guys, and Eugene's going to tell a story about a man who found love in prison a little bit later, but, you know, what about the men out there that meet the girls while they're in prison? Is that a, um, what type of love is that, and is that a lasting type of a love?
1: Well, I did a, I did a lot of uh, stories on that, too, but it, 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 it's a difficult situation. I mean, you've been in, you've been having a relationship in a prison business well, which is abnormal relationship. Now, she doesn't really know you, and you don't know her, and now you get out and you move you move in together. And, uh, again, that's, that, that percentage is about, I would say, eight out of ten times doesn't work.
2: Eight out of ten
1: wow. times doesn't work. So I hear, you know, all the time I do, and I was communicating with uh, a lot of guys who, you know, we had relationships, and they would write me, and they tell me, well, we're living together, and then I get a letter six months a year and We're, we're apart. We're gone. She wasn't what I... She didn't think she I was what she wanted and vice versa. It's very very difficult because me, I could personally say, you know, I did 32-plus years, and I, I'm a, I don't have... I'm not emotionally fulfilled to give of myself. They took a lot from me, and uh, basically... Uh, I, I've been dating, of course, but uh, they have to accept this one sentence. And one sentence is that you can never be my life, only part of it. Because I have you know, there's a lot taken from me. They Basically, they raped all the emotion that I had. So I, I really don't, not that I'm not a gentleman, okay, but I, there's nothing. I can't find anything basically inside to give. And, you know, that's what they do to now times that by
0: 10,000 right um well well you guys i don't know if you know eugene has a friend eugene i forget his name i always i I don't know why but he got out and he went to back to his wife after 20 years she was she was waiting on him so i have hope for some
1: talking about larry duke yeah larry
0: duke i have yes i have hope for some prison love can last
1: uh, Christian, I think you're absolutely right, and we're going to talk about some of that later in the show. Uh, but also, George is right. Overall, uh, I, I can I can oh, feel well, exactly. What well, my my my. Uh, let me inject this lastly. You can move on if someone waited through the through the longevity, but there must be a total of forgiveness. You cannot bring something up uh, in her past. I mean, she did the best she could. If you want to go out there and say, "Oh, you know," after you're with her a certain time, and say, "I know you had an affair here, you had an affair there," so you must have forgiveness, and forgiveness is, I believe, is is the cornerstone to to many things in life. Many things in life.
2: So you can say,
1: "I forgive you." I'm sure you can move on, but in them cases. Some cases are not not too many, Gene.
0: How does how does a prisoner survive a, a broken heart? What do they do to to get over it, or do they just feel the broken? Well, heart? Well,
1: I, I broke my heart was broken uh, three times, and uh, and you don't know it. And I just, just did a YouTube uh, a few days ago. That's funny, right? About that, how I became a poet. I mean, I never had an education or training from a poet for being a poet. But uh, I write politically because my heart is broke. So, you know, when, uh, once your heart's broke, I, I mean, I live in normalcy. I'm free now. Uh, I meet people and I smile. And I'm a gentleman. But your smile is never, never the same.
3: Gene.
1: Uh, George, I hear you loud and clear. And Christian, I think, I think we're talking about two different things. I think you're also right, Christian. We can find beautiful love stories. In, in the prison environment, but I also feel like George just said that something is taken from us. I had much of the same experience as George, and it's hard. We try. We live. We're out here in the free world now, but there is something that's taken. And you, your question, Christian, is what do you do when you have a broken heart in prison? I don't know if it's any different, except that you're incarcerated than if you have a broken heart as a free person.
2: Uh, it hurts. <laughs>
0: Well, as
1: a free person,
0: you could just go meet somebody else. You can go, you know, you can go out and, you know, it may not happen overnight, but, you know, you have the freedom to speak to your family members and talk to people and vent and go for a mild jog or go work out in the pool. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to, to, you know, get over it. But in prison, like, I was really impressed when you said that you started writing poems. But not everybody is poets. So, like, you know, to be in prison with all kinds of other men... And have your heart broke. It just it just sounds like mentally there's not the the resources you need to move past something like that.
1: Well, they they'll bring you briefly uh, uh, to speak to a psychiatrist or the chapel, or some oh, chaplain. Briefly, very briefly. Uh, you know, you just have to uh, have to adjust to it, and it's a very really, very difficult adjustment. I did it more so than others because I'm a leader. And I pride myself with that but I seen I seen men uh basically deteriorate so quickly and mentally and I, I seen men actually throw themselves off tears from broken hearts and uh and the, the wife Jean's seen that also, the wife leaving. I mean they just uh, they just uh you know, just drop into their own personal bottomless pit uh from a distorted emotion, so and uh, that's what we do. And you know, in Europe they don't do that. You know, in Italy, uh, uh, you have uh, every 90 days you have 72 hours to actually uh, yourself back to your family, wife and children, etc. You know, they they and that's they want to the family stay intact. But in this country, they rip it apart. They rip it apart. So
2: yeah, um, George, uh,
1: tell the audience about conjugal visits. Uh, what What is the system now in the United States? Well, very different. Only a few states. And basically the feds do, do have a policy. They have a policy that's been in place. It's up to each warden. But, you know, the bureaucracy, you know, these wardens will, will not overstep their bounds because they don't want to be, uh, you know, demoted or transferred. But the conjugal vision has been in place. And it's totally humane. I mean, New York has it. Uh, for years and years, California has it uh Mississippi I mean they have it it's it's, uh, it's you know the more the more that you keep a man a man or a woman in, in a natural life the more the more you're destroying them to fancy women free to continue with their life you took you took everything away you just you took everything away they they basically they don't even have to really. I mean, they'll they'll get out there and they'll they'll cuddle, and you know uh, you know the essence of all that. For me, I only can speak for me. It's it's not the same, not the same.
2: Mm.
1: George, uh, let's define for the audience uh, what we mean when we talk about conjugal visits. A conjugal visit is where you have a trailer or a room or something set apart in a prison. And you allow well, it's usually or... a trailer it's usually a trailer and uh you got got if you've got good conduct and the states that have it every ninety days you pay a a visit and your wife can come for i believe it's uh, forty eight hours, two nights uh you know yeah forty eight hours seventy two hours it's a holiday and uh, the day, the woman brings her own uh bed, bedding her own sheets and stuff like that. She can bring food and they can bring the children. There is, there is a, you know, all the cable TV. They have uh, a little playground for the kids and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, and that, that, uh, I see situations like that where it didn't work in long term frustrations because the woman is just, she just doesn't want it anymore. I mean, it's not romantic to her. And, uh, I seen that situation even though they were just it's just uh, it's just the crudeness of it uh didn't make it work, so uh, even with that, even with that uh it's not a hundred percent because of, uh, it's an unnatural way of life a natural way of life Jean? um
0: uh, I just want to let all of our listeners know, and you too also George, that it's about nine twenty five and Craig Cecil call, can call in any time between now and 9:30. So okay. if we just get interrupted all of a sudden, then that's because of Craig. So no, I just want to let you know.
1: i i appreciate being on, and uh, I look forward. Well, we don't to have doing to end this it. Quarter.
0: We don't want to end this until he calls in, but I just want to let you know that he, he can call in any time, just just so we're all aware.
1: Yes, 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 yes. want to keep
0: talking to you. <laughs> we love
1: uh-huh. your
2: insights.
1: George, George, before we get you off, I just want to ask you then. Uh, I, because I know you're a romantic and you're a poet. Uh, We've we talked about how difficult it is, but there are cases where we do really see uh, a love a love relationship blossoming, even in prison. Is that correct? Yes. It uh, happened to a friend of mine. Uh, uh, he meets a wonderful girl and uh, she had children and uh, they got married and they're they're living a very good life now in South Florida. There is there is some situations, but he met he did 25 years, but he met her when he was doing the last four or five, so she could she rode with that, but I I don't know about about when when had, she had a ride with 25 years, you know. But uh, there is some there is some situations. Uh, what I've seen with those situations is. They knew each other before incarceration. She had a life. She's divorced. So she's not with his person. So, And then they get together, and there's a, there's a chance there. But uh, when I try to tell them all, hey, hey, uh, you know, don't move right in. I tell my stu- many of my students, don't move right in together. I said, you know, uh, you dated. Basically, you did the visiting room date, dating. And when you get out, date. See if everything is uh, compatible. Won't just just move in, you know. And uh, some guys listen, some guy, some guys didn't, such cetera. And in uh, the same with women. I think women. Uh, I, I I I try to. I, I always try to be, a, you know, share my poetic words and stories, you know, with men. And stories about men and stories about women. I never try to just stay with the one, one group uh so i try to be emotionally fair with all that so but you know it's a, it's just a, it's a topic that you can go on and on and on because You're living in a country where we created the fourth world and we don't have tens of thousands we got hundreds of thousands and such so emotional emotional stars reach to the stars the emotional stars reach to the stars
0: but I want to clarify something with you. The fourth world—that is the prison world, right?
1: Yes, I created that. I created that fourth world. We well, are a like third it. world country,
0: world. and our
1: government, our government state, and federal created the fourth
3: world. Uh, uh, George,
1: I'd like to interject just here, if I could, and, and for our listeners' sake, i say something that we 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 have to emphasize and, and repeat: the United States of America has the biggest prison population of the world. It has over 2.4 million people incarcerated. It is the highest rate of incarceration of any industrial country in the world, and our sentences are the longest sentences of any country in the world. And of the long sentences, drug sentences... Uh, are almost 50% of what we put in prison. And of the 50%, it could be as much as 50% of that are for marijuana crimes. So that's a capsule view of the United States and incarceration. And, George? And uh, you wanna, if you want to add motion to that, it's unbound. You want an emotion that was raped and destroyed and distorted, and the children' emotions. Imagine the children's emotions with the children when the when the relationships totally deteriorate between the parents. Uh, I told you a few weeks back uh, about a 15-year-old, a mother and father in Texas went to prison. She was living in a car, ladies and gentlemen, in a car, and she found out about me and she wrote me this letter while I was incarcerated, and we got right on it uh, with Dean Becker. Uh, radio show host out of California and we managed to help little reader so uh that's just one case and again times that by tens of thousands i mean uh, we there is no there's no and then, like i said in europe they they look at that what which, what's going to happen to the family what's going to happen to the wife and we we have to we have to make some changes i'm hoping to do a ted talk i have someone trying to get me on the ted talk and I'll uh, inject all that kind of stuff in my speech.
0: Jim. Um, You guys, it, it seems to me like the, the whole nation, like, peace comes from love. And all these families that are being torn apart from people going to prison and all these, all these um, children that are being raised without fathers or mothers, it seems like that's where it comes from is the incarceration and the lack of love that the prisoners get to have in their lives. Well,
1: you know, if it worked, what they did for the last 25, 30 years, it hasn't worked. So right. I, uh, the persecution of the cannabis people, you know, you it hasn't worked. If, a, if it hasn't worked, geez. For a second, You, you,
0: got, you, we got Craig in. you guys, we got okay. Craig calling in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this. I'll be All right, right back.
1: I'll call. We'll talk okay. next week. And uh, okay, take next care. Week. That was George
0: Maturano, uh,
1: as usual, giving us reality. Uh, George and I uh, became brothers in prison, and we respect each other immensely. That was George Maturano, my good friend, who just gave his insights. And now we're going to have, Christian is going to have Craig Cecil. Is he on the line, Christian?
0: Good morning, Craig. We were just we were just speaking to George Montterano who spent thirty-three years of a life sentence in prison for the plant. We we're just talking about love in prison. How are you this morning?
4: I'm well, I'm well. It's sunny here and there there's nothing bad happening, so I guess that's the best we can do sometimes.
5: <laughs> good, good
1: morning, I'm Craig. Good. I, I I'm glad that hear nothing is nothing bad happens. That's a good day in prison.
4: That that's true. That's true. Sometimes that's the best you can hope for. I don't know if you heard about a a new rule suggestion though that the BOP is uh trying to implement and uh and I'm trying to push back against. Is they want to arm? Yes, they want to arm the BOP staffers. Oh, with no. uh, Pepper okay. spray oh. and tasers. <laughs>
0: no. No. <laughs>
4: And I think that would be a real bad idea. I think they'd be used more for punishment than they'd be used for anything else.
6: <laughs> oh.
4: And a little well, bit actually, of history actually, that they actually,
1: have. Greg, it would, put the, it would put the prison guards in, in danger because uh, uh, that's why that's why arms aren't allowed in prison because they can be used against the guards also, so. I think it would be it would be detrimental
4: to the guards also. I believe that because come to think about it, with some of these officers, that the the very few times where I've ever seen it deployed, one was here recently. Is uh an inmate went to leave a housing unit because he was having a medical problem. Him and the officer had words, and they ended up punching each other. And wow. uh, a few a few punches. Uh, we exchanged back and forth. The inmates sat down. A whole bunch of other officers came running in following an alarm. And uh, they handcuffed him up and sat him on the ground. Well, currently now they keep pepper spray in a lieutenant's office, and there's a few people authorized, you know, to take it out of there. Well, in that situation, they did come running with it, and here he was sitting on the floor handcuffed. And the lieutenant walked in and sprayed him with mace when he was sitting on the floor against the wall. Oh, that's and crazy. That, that's what I'm afraid of is that the, you know, with these officers carrying it, is they'll use it for that sort of basic retaliation more than anything.
0: That's what's going out here on the streets with the police and the guns. It seems like there's been a lot of people, you know, unarmed or with their hands up or not doing anything wrong that they've overreacted and used used force and actually killed people by doing that. Are you scared? Are you scared Craig that you might get hit?
4: Well, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to be tased or, you know, pepper sprayed or anything like that. And I can't, kind of have to wonder, you know, if one of them that you know is, you know, one of the less than rational officers, uh, if he goes to grab for his spray, it seems like that the initial reaction would be to stop him from spraying you. So really that, that spray would be bringing on some sort of physical act against them. You know, whereas otherwise there probably wouldn't be any physical interaction between the officer and the inmate. You know, I, I think it, I think it would just bring problems that we don't have, and it wouldn't eliminate any problem we do have.
0: Um, how are they coming up with the decision to do this? Who who, who decides if they're going to allow this to happen or not?
4: Well, being that the Bureau of Prisons is a federal agency, they have to post this as a rule proposal in the Federal Register. And uh, what that does is that allows anybody in the public to make comments uh, on whether the uh, federal government should adopt this new rule. And uh, I've sent some information to Mindy, and I'll send it to you also, that there's a certain address where people can send letters uh, up to April 29th on whether they think that this rule should go in place, that officers, in their wording, would carry Less than lethal force weapons. (laughs) And, uh, you know, really the public can reach out and uh, send letters to the Rules Committee in Washington, D.C. to say that, no, this new rule should not go into place. We shouldn't give these officers weapons because there's really not a problem. And I think Gene can verify this. Officers very, very seldom are assaulted and almost never by a group of inmates, you know. So... (laughs) I mean it, it's really not a, a major problem that needs uh solving. I think putting uh, no, I, I, putting uh, weapons it, in
1: Greg, I think you, you raised a good point and we're gonna we'll make it a part of our campaign as the, the voices of the war, uh to get uh, people to write letters in, uh, on this issue and send them to uh to D C because I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it would be a, a very detrimental
3: situation.
4: Um okay. well, just speaking for myself, I definitely don't want to be the victim of any of these and I you know, I have no inclination to go assault any officer or anything. But even the rules for engagement in this new rule just says, you know, for situations where the inmates might or there's a situation where somebody might get hurt, where property might get hurt or where the officer believes it's necessary for the control of the inmate. Now I could see that being stretched in all kinds of absurd ways. <laughs> yeah. Good God! Uh,
2: this call is from a caller,
1: I shudder to think to for, for reasons of control of the inmate. I shudder to think about yes. that. Yes,
4: yes. <laughs> and uh, I've heard at uh, FCI Pekin, they they experimented with it for a while, and sure enough, you had especially women in the men's prison, spraying the men just based on, you know, what they perceived to be the way the inmate looked at them. Huh. <laughs> Maybe that yeah. would somehow fall under control of the inmate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness
1: gracious.
2: Okay.
4: Uh,
1: Greg, uh, how's, how's the food situation? We keep we want, we ask you that every week because
4: it seems to be getting worse and worse. Can you give us any update? Yes, they've eliminated meat from a bunch of the meals. They used to have, like with breakfast, you'd, years ago you'd get some bacon, you know, then they had where you'd get a piece of sausage or whatever. Then for a while it was a slice of bologna. Now it's no meat. <laughs> they virtually eliminated the meat with. Uh, the breakfast meals, or when they serve breakfast for supper. They just, the meats disappeared. <laughs>
5: Are they trying to make
1: vegetarians
4: out of you? I, I suppose. <laughs> they also removed uh, the fryers, so there's no uh, French fries or, you know, there, there's no uh, items that would normally be fried. Now, they, they still do serve as potatoes, but they're baked. You know, sometimes they're cut up like french fries and baked. But, <laughs> um, but, but they've Greg, determined you that, us, you know. Could, could you
1: tell us one thing pardon? quickly? Uh, the, this program is primarily on love, prison love. Can you give us any stories or any insight into what occurs in prison concerning love between a man and a woman? Or between a child and, the a, one, and a father?
4: The one story that, you know, uh just came to my mind when it, when I read that to be the um topic of the show tonight was a guy that I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me using his name. His name is Charlie Lowey. And uh Charlie and I were both owners of towing companies. And Charlie met and married his wife in 1981. In 1983, Uh, he was charged by the feds because the owner of the towing company that he was the manager of was a union figure and thus a mob figure, and there was some sort of fight between Syrian and Italian control of the mob. And uh, some people got killed as a result, and they determined that some of the bombs used to kill people were stored at the towing company. So Charlie got arrested basically for being an accessory to you know, the bombings and killings of these people. He was charged with uh, conspiring to assault them. Well, wow. Charlie, and his, Charlie and his wife were, of course, together for two years, from 1981 till his arrest in 1983. They were married. They bought a house during that time. And uh, now here it is. Charlie's still waiting for his parole date, which at best uh, could be uh, in 2019 but his wife still at least once a month still comes to visit him every month. She still lives in that house with together. <laughs> I mean, they still write to each other and call each other, you know, constantly. That I mean, you you just have to I mean, you just have to wish for something like that. I mean, it's it's just so uh inspiring to see that that closeness, that love between them. That's really yeah, sweet. That's really nice. did say one thing
1: that I think we should emphasize to the listeners. Uh, it's it's a short-term sentence that he's doing, and that makes a lot of difference, too.
4: Yes. Another factor in that whole line is that, unfortunately, love is, is fleeting for a lot of inmates because um, – and I can speak in my own situation – Really, right after I was sentenced, my sisters put blocks on their phones where I couldn't call them anymore. My parents did the same thing. Oh. And really, the the only family members that I I still have contact with and have always remained contact with was my children. I always talk to the, at least child at at least every week. And that, I mean, that comes from, uh, and my daughter, you know, always shows me just an unequivocal love. I mean, it's always there, always sharing her week with me, always sharing you know, her insights, her feelings and her love. And that makes such a difference to me. You know, that that I do feel that, that every week. You know, and of course mm-hmm. I felt it between, you know, Curtis and I before before his passing.
0: Wow. Um
1: George George, I, I just mentioned basically and and I just mentioned this quickly, uh, with I had a love affair with my mother. And when I say love affair, you understand my mother and I loved each other as a child and a, and a mother can do. And every day before she died while I was in prison, every day for my 30, 25 years, uh, we talked on the phone for a minute or two just to hear each other's voices. And that love sustained me. It was one of the major loves that sustained me through prison. And it also uh, helped her. She needed to hear my voice. So I, uh, I hear your love and say so.
4: Yes, and it's that love that, you know, that we all grasp for that that really helps, you know, helps make us through the day, as you can well verify. You, You look forward to that phone call. You look forward to that letter. You look forward to, you know, all the expressions of love that you feel. And especially when, you know, especially, you know, with a life sentence, you know the the people that were my neighbors that were my coworkers that were the even my friends you know through high school and grade school and college and all that you know for the first year or so, you know I heard from you know once or twice a month by letter or whatever, and you know after a matter of months those fade away, you know, and for me, they faded away many years ago, and those people that hang on and show their love you know just make all the difference. Greg, uh, I'd
1: like like our listeners to answer a basic question that you have raised so well. Is this the kind of country we want where we give these long-term sentences that destroy so much of life for everybody? Is this the kind of country we want? Greg.
4: And and I would like to add to that, especially as it comes to nonviolent drug offenses, as you know, half of the federal prison population, there's 195,000 federal prisoners, and roughly half of them are here on drug convictions. And many of them are serving 20-, 30-, 40-year sentences, or there's 5,200 of them serving life sentences for drugs. Wow, 5,200? 5,
0: 5,200
4: lifers in the federal system. Oh my 5,200?
7: call from a federal prison.
0: 5,200 people that are serving life.
4: Correct.
1: They're not, they're not
4: they're all not. Uh, marijuana prisoners, though, correct, correct, Yes. Yes, that's true, I believe. And, you know, you have to wonder, you know, when, you know, bank robbers go home after three or four years and rapists go home after four years and all that, why are marijuana funders <laughs> serving <laughs> life? You know, the there's definitely a need to change our sentencing to change especially our drug laws
0: wow that's crazy i'm i'm are you there
4: yes i am that's the second beep so i just want to thank thank everybody for you know watching what's happening in us in here and even with the uh with the new proposed rule of arming the guards that you know your help could make all the difference in whether they arm them and whether we we fall victim of those weapons or not. And I I just thank you for reaching out to all of us, and especially me, I guess.
0: Well, thank you, Craig, for risking. Thank
4: well,
0: you, Craig. Well, you guys, that was um, Craig Cecil serving a life sentence on his thirteenth year, risking going on lockdown in order to call into our show to tell us what is going on behind bars. Um. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. So Eugene, we're gonna go to the story of Bill Lamorte. And when Eugene first told me about the story, it just touched my heart so much. Eugene, you want to tell our listeners about this man who was serving a life sentence for our plants and the love that he found yes, in prison before he left our left our earth.
1: Yes, I do, Christian, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy that you bring it up and that we we can talk about it, because it, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story about humanity at its best. Uh, when I went to Lewisburg, uh, I met a man, a fellow prisoner, and we became good friends. Uh, his name was Bill Lamort. a giant guy, a tall, good-looking guy.
2: And Bill was... Uh,
1: had a a wife uh, when he went to prison it was a trophy wife it's
0: really hard to hear you there's there's like some loud background music
1: is this better now let me move to another room I'm in a house let me move to another room okay I'm going let me continue the story up here okay so It's even
0: worse uh, now. We can hardly hear you. It's just really loud, the background. Can you hear me now?
1: No, yeah,
5: it's a lot better now.
1: Okay. Uh, So Bill Bill, Bill and I became friends. And uh, Bill went to prison, and he had a trophy wife. She was a beautiful woman. And as soon as he went to prison, she abandoned me. She said, no, I'm moving on. And... uh, and Bill had a, a lady, he was, he was uh, Bill had been a major marijuana uh, importer, and he'd been out of the business for over 10 years, and his brother got busted for cocaine, and um, out of prison, his brother uh, told a false sentence to pull Bill into his case, and they made a case against him and gave him a life sentence for marijuana. Well, uh, there was a lady who would worked for Bill in one of his enterprises, his legitimate enterprises, and she began to visit him in prison. Her name was Dawn uh, Everly. And uh, I I guess Dawn probably loved Bill always, but obviously uh, until she started to visit him in prison, he didn't realize the extent of it. And they both fell in love. Now, I'm telling you this, Christian, because I saw it before my own eyes. And uh, they got married while he was in prison. Now, Bill had the same kind of sentence I did for marijuana, a life sentence without parole. And so she didn't have any expectations of him getting out. But they just loved each other so much that they were married. Then one day after I was released I got a phone call from Dawn. Uh she became my friend uh while she was uh seeing Bill and she said Bill just died on the fourth of July of a heart attack. Aww. And of course it broke her heart, Christian, as you can imagine. And um but what I wanna to, wanna to say is to me it was it showing humanity and love at its best. This lady really loved this man and this man fell in love with this girl, with this woman, and it didn't matter that he was incarcerated and would never see freedom they decided they were gonna get they were gonna get married and they got married while while she visited him. And of course she continually visited him on a regular basis, Christian. Uh that's a, that's a true story.
0: Well we always we always remember Bill Lamort because he was a hero to us and he I'm glad, you know, like serving a life sentence in prison for marijuana and you know being left by your wife before you go in there and then finding true love before you die um on the 4th of July for marijuana you know that i'm i'm really glad that he had a chance to have that in his life before before he left our our, our, our earth
1: yeah I... uh I, how many years really had he been audience. in prison
0: before he before he passed away
1: um it was around twenty.
0: He had been in there for twenty
1: already? Yeah. Uh no, it might have even been more because he started his sentence at the same time I did. And he died oh. after uh, after I was released. So it was part. it was over twenty five years, Christian. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: And then he had to die there, he didn't even get to see freedom.
1: No, he didn't. No, he didn't.
0: But at least he got to feel some love.
1: That was the beautiful thing, you know. Again, his his trophy wife deserted him. Uh, this beautiful-looking woman just walked away, and this other woman, with with the inner uh, inner beauty that's so was so wonderful, uh, fell in love or continued her love. I, I, I kind of speculate that even as a free person. When she was working for him, she probably felt something for him. But then he reciprocated and felt that love, and they had a you know a, a real love. It couldn't be physical because he was incarcerated, but they had a real love, and they even got married.
0: Aww, that's really sad. Um, how did she take his his passing?
1: Well, as far as I know, Dawn has not remarried or had a relationship like it. Again, I I can't really speak for her other than just what she's written me and told me, but it's hard because it was, you know, it was that kind of uh, deep, deep love. And, um, uh, but that's, that's part of life, uh, that goes on and so many times, uh, uh, you don't see that situation as George Monterano said, Christian, in the uh, in beginning of our program. Most prison romance breaks down because of, especially with these terribly long sentences, except between parents and children, for example. I want to emphasize that because that was my own experience with my children. The love continues. The, you know, a child loves simply and forever the parent, and uh, a good parent does the same with his child or her child. And uh, so I saw so those things happen. But the the love between a man and a woman, a uh, husband and wife, they uh, put uh, between boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, long long sentences do destroy it. It's part of part of the destruction of our system, Christian. Part of right. the under the underside of this, uh, as George Rometty says, the fourth world of, of U.S.
0: incarceration. Right. Well, Eugene, I'll tell you a little bit about my mom and dad. When my dad was incarcerated, uh, he went to prison first. They were both sentenced the same day, and they immediately took my father, my sick father, in shackles, and took him took him back to where nobody could ever 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 see him again, including my mother. Well. At the point of their incarceration, they had been married for 36 years. And they were suddenly physically separated. They could still talk on the phone to each other because my mom hadn't went in yet. Well, about, I'd say, a month later, my mom had to self-surrender herself to the Phoenix Bureau of Prisons down down in Arizona. So after that, um, all of their connections, all their communications, 36 years of a life together was completely severed. There was absolutely no more communication um, other than me, basically. Um, they couldn't, the wardens from both of their prisons would not allow them to speak to each other. Um, he would not let them talk to each other, write letters to each other, or anything like that. So they were completely separated after 36 years and left left to spend their time in prison. Well, my father was extremely sick, you know, and, and the time when he needed my mom the very most in his life, it just wasn't there. There is no wife to go get him, you know, a cup of tea or something, you know. Like I said, my dad had over eight broken bones, so he couldn't even walk. He he didn't even have any help helping him make it around in the prison, other than the other prisoners that were there. And so, you know, my father's last parts of his life were. Calling me, tell your mom I've got one foot out the door. Tell your mom I, I'm probably not going to make it since she gets out. These are all things I didn't tell my mom. I can't tell my mom that. Well, once in a while I tell her a few things, but it was really difficult. And He wrote, he wrote her love letters um, that I still have not given to my mom. Um, they're there. She knows they're there. I suggested that she not read them right now because they're very hurtful. Um, but... Um, their, their love was was separated until the night that my father passed away. A crazy night because they hadn't spoke to each other in so long, and he had a couple heart attacks and he was shackled to a bed, laying there on the stretcher or on on the prison or on the um, hospital bed. And you know, the U.S. Marshals called me. They said, "Kristen, you know, you got to come get your dad off life support." He had a heart attack yesterday. They didn't even tell me yesterday he had a heart attack, but they told me after he wouldn't die that he, you know I needed to come out there and and see his last, be there with him. Well, when I got there, he was he was guarded by two guards, shackled to a bed. It was just like looking at a murder about to take place. But I, um, my mom called me while I was in the room with my dad. And I said, here, mom, I'm gonna put the phone to dad's ear. And I put the phone to my dad's ear. And he started moving around. His body started started going back and forth. And his eyes, his eyes were like so glossy. And he couldn't even look into him because he really couldn't even see out of him. He was so almost dead when I got there. But his all, eyes almost came to life when he heard my mom's voice. And the love of my mom's voice was in my dad's heart when he died. The sound of her voice was there. And even though she was in prison, um, she was still in my dad's death. So I just want to say that prison love, love should never be um, interrupted through a nonviolent crime, ever. But um, Churchy, that's a story I'm not, of my me, mom's let,
2: dad. Me, uh, let me, let
1: me... Take over because uh, I can feel your emotions at the moment. And the listeners, that's very real. That's my co host, Christian uh, Floor, who uh, I love very much. She's a beautiful woman. And she's, I want to say this uh, she just talked about romance and love between her mother and father. But I want to emphasize another point. I want to emphasize the love between a daughter and a, and a father, which Christian just Demonstrated to us and told us about, and that's those are the things that's that's real love, and that's in spite of the obstacle of incarceration. It's one of the miracles that you see not too often, but you can see, and yeah. uh, uh, that's what that's a, that's our a story. And I, I want to commend you as the daughter you were to your father, and. The love you showed him right through, right, even to the end. Uh, and I Thank know you. the audience is thinking the
0: same as I am. Thanks, so, Now, I just want to say, like, even to your friend, Bill Lamorte, who spent 20 years in prison and died of a heart attack without his love, like, I do truly believe that eventually, like, we're going to, all that we love. And I know I'm going to see my dad again. And I know my mom's going to see my dad again. And I know Bill Lamorday's is going to see Don again. And I know that um, the love will be united. And so that's why he, I fight so hard. I know I'm going to see my dad again someday. And I just can't wait to tell him everything that he missed out on. But
1: um, I, I, mean, want to, got, I want to say this, to the listeners, um, Listeners, that's my co-host and Kristen, and she one of the driving forces of her life. It, that the reasons she's doing the advocacy that we're doing now and supporting prisoners is because of her the love she had for her father. And uh, I, 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 for that reason, it, it, among many reasons, we love you very much, my dear. And thank we love you. what you told us.
0: Thank you, Jean. Thank you. Thank you. Um... You put a smile on my face again. I was I was pretty sad for a second, but um, we're gonna go to our next guest. It's this is Stephanie Landis who I met right after my dad died, who had a huge part of um, a huge part of my recovery after all this happened because it was so tormenting towards me. Um, but we're gonna get her on the line right now. We're gonna talk about her, what she thinks about prison love, and we're gonna talk about the seven thousand dollars of love that was just recently sent to the prisoner's commissary. Hi. Good morning, Stephanie.
6: Good morning. How are you? Oh, uh, oh, well, I'm going to stop crying right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm telling you, you. I don't don't know how we exist through all this. I know when Tom (laughs) and I were in prison together, well, not together, but in different prisons, um they wouldn't- they wouldn't let us communicate either, although we did. I always had a guard that would take my letter home with him and mail it Aww. and Aww, to the sweet. other to him in prison and then, when he was in the holding cell at the women's prison, they have a men's holding cell that they leave him there for months and then they ship him to another place. Well, I was in the women's prison, and my friends were doing the commissary for the men. And I would write a note, and they would put it in the top of the coffee jar. And then he would get the coffee in his commissary, and he'd open it up, and he'd go, oh, my God. And he'd read this whole letter that I would write him. So, And then when we were both going to get out, They wanted me to sign paperwork, and they wanted him to sign paperwork saying that we would never talk to each other again. And both (laughs) of us, even though we didn't really, they said, in the paperwork it said, we forced each other to grow pot, and that's why they didn't want us to talk to each other anymore. So um, he, even though we hadn't talked to each other, he said, no, keep me, and I said, no, keep me. I'm not signing that paperwork, and he wasn't signing the paperwork. So, of course, they had to let us out, But and then our probation officers again wanted us to stop talking to each other, and we both said no, and they yeah. didn't lock us up for it, but um, that's what they wanted us to do. They, After 45 years of us being together, they wanted us not to talk to each other because of marijuana. I mean, how crazy is that? So that's my story. We it's still live together.
1: It's inhumane. It's inhumane. I
6: know. We we still live together. We still do what we have always done, and you know what? Fuck the feds and the horse we <laughs> rode in on. Right that's now, right. Now,
0: you're you're doing, now you're doing. Now you're helping all the prisoners, and you're making things feel a little bit better for the people that are still in there.
6: Yeah, I'm still making out postal money orders. I still have like, oh, I don't know, 15 left, but I, I have them. I just, right now I'm I'm <laughs> dying from the flu, I think, and but I'm not going to die until I write the postal money orders out. That's for sure. Well,
0: but, so for know. our listeners, um, Stephanie Landa just raised over $7,000 for commissary for plant prisoners, and Mindy Griffith, who is off today, she's taking a break, Yesterday was her birthday. Woohoo, happy birthday, Mindy, and happy birthday to Tom Corby, who's going to talk to give us a an update a little bit later. He's on the line right now. It's his birthday today, too. Um but um Mindy did a bunch of work writing uh, writing little letters to send with the money orders. And some of them some of the prisoners have already got the money orders that she raised for them. And Mindy's got these messages, and so I have a few messages that I want to read um, for you, Stephanie, and for the rest of the of our listeners. One prisoner, uh, Jason, yes, Jason Geisey, he said, wow, that that is a great surprise. Tell Stephanie Landit and freedom grow. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will think about some book titles. This is amazing. Thank you, Mindy, as I'm sure you're a huge part of this. I'm speechless. Have an amazing day. Um Aww. So Mindy suggested that they, um, I believe, spend some of their money on on some magazines or or if they wanted magazines, Mindy would help them get some ordered. But another one is, thank you so much with like four O's, uh, Mindy. Uh, I will be sure to let you know as soon as I receive it. What kind of magazine should I get? Can Can it be a magazine subscription? If so, maybe like Men's Health or Hip Hop Weekly. Thank you, Pharrell Scott. And I believe that Pharrell Scott, isn't he serving life down in California? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that is Pharrell Scott. Okay. So then we got another one from Mo Foley. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Then we got another one from Mo Foley, and his message says, Hi, Mindy, I was thinking about the magazine thing you asked me about. I have been getting National Geographic in, in, in Espanol. My subscription expires around June. Do you think your friend could renew it for another year? I think he's talking about you. It has to be in Spanish, though. I am a Spanish fanatic. Becca got me my... Oh, Becca Becca's screening our calls right now. I hope she can hear this. She said, Becky, Becca got me my interstate. I don't know. It's a similar magazine in, in Spanish. Last year, and she said she would renew it for me as long as I'm in prison. I haven't heard much from her lately, but anyway, does your friend with that National Geographic know-how to renew for another year, Mo Foley. So that's that's cool. And then we've got um, one from Craig Cecil, and he says, that's great news about Stephanie Landon and the money on the way. Lastly, Uh, about the books, the only book I could really be interested in is is The Almanac. Those make such a great reference book. But um, I also like Crossword Puzzles. And then another one is from Michael Knight. And he says, hello, Aww. Mindy, what a, what a what an unexpected surprise. Please pass my thanks. It is greatly appreciated. I will be sure to let you know when I see it. I am curious, though, who is Stephanie Landit and what is Freedom Grow? I will let you know a few book titles tomorrow if that's okay. Have a good night, Mindy, and again, please thank her for me, Michael Knight. Aww. Okay.
6: So um, from- the reason that the magazines and books is that I decided that yeah, they need the money, but some of the money I'm going to put on a subscription for them so that they can keep getting one every month. Cool. So I'm going to do both, okay. send the money and send them subscriptions, because I know that when I was in, that was really important that I got those magazines, and then I passed
0: them around to everyone. Cool. Well, Corvain Cooper, he's he's serving life in California. He says he would like a book on how to write a book properly. He wants he wants to become a writer. He wants to write a book and he wants to learn how to write books. So he would like a book on how to write a book. Um, He said as far as magazines, he likes hip hop and all kinds of magazines. Now Craig sent another message to Mindy and it says today, one hundred dollars showed up on my inmate account. And the memo says it was received. Yeah, the memo he got with it said it was received from Freedom Grow. Yay. He said this means uh, new running shoes. He's gonna get new running shoes, which if you saw my running shoes, you'll know I need them. Uh the record says it was deposited into my account today, three one sixteen. Please forward extra thank you uh for me to Stephanie. Oh well, that'll make And me then feel Ricardo really good. Ricardo, oh. you know Ricardo. Luke and Ricardo, um, Luke is serving – Ricardo is serving a 20-year sentence, and Luke is serving 22-year sentence. In fact, Stephanie, you don't want to miss next week's show because um, Luke's daughter is is, is going to be on possibly the week after, but it's looking like um, we can have both Luke and Ricardo's kids on our show next week. But Ricardo oh, says wow. that he likes – yes, they are going to tell us about why they want their dad home. But Ricardo is going to te- um, – he said he likes Fitness Magazine. So – Okay. Um, Yay! Well, Dina and I are going to sit on the computer
6: tomorrow because she has an Amazon account and she gets like discounts. So we're going to sit on it and send everybody stuff from her account, Doctor Dina. And cool. I have to tell you that Ozzie Ho, Jason Beck, Dina—they have been so supportive of me. They like tell everybody, and people are like calling me up now. The CBD company called me up and said. We've decided to give you two percent of our of what we make, and we're going to put it right on our packaging that says two percent goes on the commissary of pot prisoners dot org. Wow, wow! wow. So,
0: now those yeah, the people doing that need extra special love because that is that that's what everybody should be doing. And they're they're stepping okay, up. Well, and they're like, I want to help the prisoners. That's beautiful.
6: Okay, so we made rosin. Um, which is solventless hash. And we put right on our label, 10% goes to the pot prisoners and freedomgrow.org. So wow. we started it. And then right after that, somebody called me about the 2%. And then someone else said they're going to do 5%. So wow. it could be like ongoing where money just keeps coming in all the time. So, so.
0: if if somebody's listening and they own a business, how can they get set up to give part of their proceeds to
6: a planner? And they get a tax write off, a federal tax write off. So, um they could call me eight one eight six five two seven eight nine one. I always answer my phone. And if you're in trouble, please call. And my website is freedomgrow dot org.
0: You could leave a message there. Okay, cool. Um Stephanie, is there anything else you want our listeners to know? Eugene, is there anything you want to say before Stephanie? Uh, the,
1: the only thing I would make a, a recommendation, Stephanie, if you're going to answer that thing about the writer's book, a book for writers,
6: uh-huh. uh, maybe
1: get, get the writer's guide. It, it, um, the writer's a general, guide? Yes. Okay. And, and it, I, it, got it. I think. You can get it in paperback, and it's probably – it'd probably be about $20 or something like that. But that'd probably be the best source to get. Well, the money – the money
6: doesn't matter anymore since all – everybody out there is giving me money to do this. So a $20 book
0: will be fine. Cool. Aw, Our prisoners get to read books and read magazines and find out what's going out in the real world. That is so cool, Stephanie. And by sneakers and all kinds of things, I'm so
6: excited. I I am truly excited and blessed that I get to do something like this. I mean, really, I couldn't. This is my dream to send money to prisoners that are in for pot by our shameful government who should have never done this to begin with. So, for sure. that's all I have to say. I love you guys, and I'm so glad you have a radio program. Cool. God cool. bless you.
1: God bless you. We love you too, Stephanie. God bless thank you. You. <laughs> and thank you. I thank and you, Christian, as an I for you. The next prisoner, I thank you. And I thank Thanks, you for Stephanie. the president. Our, our brother and sister prisoners right now are serving time because I know, <laughs> as you know, Stephanie, as an ex prisoner, you know the importance of what you're doing uh, for a prisoner that they can
2: receive.
6: I do. <laughs> <laughs> I That's do absolutely. know. <laughs> okay. Okay, have a great day. Thank, Thank you, you. Love Thank you, Steph.
0: you, Have a good day, too.
6: Okay, bye.
0: Bye. All right, well, that was Stephanie Landa, and you can go to her website at freedomgrow.org, and at that point right there, you can make a deposit on your own. You don't have to be a... You don't have to own a business. You don't have to do anything except for having extra five, ten, twenty, fifty hundred, couple hundred, couple thousand dollars in, in your in your account and you could post it right online. Um but I'll tell you five five dollars when a prisoner makes twelve cents an hour is like having five hundred dollars. So $5 makes a lot, a big difference. So even if you don't have that much money, it really don't cost that much money to help help a prisoner or help an inmate. So think
1: yeah, about also, that. Also, a student, if, another way of looking at it uh, is telephone calls in prison, in the federal prison system, cost $0.23 cents a minute.
2: And
1: oh,
5: so
1: they're
2: saying don't have to work. What, they charge $5 will do... Themselves
1: and $5 will do on an account that will allow a man to be able to call his loved ones and speak to them
0: so it costs uh, more to talk a minute than what they get paid an hour That's correct. That's the same. That's a shame. That's not that's not acceptable. But you guys, we've got our next our next caller on the line. now this is a news story. This is straight news right from the front lines. You are not going to get this anywhere else unless you go and you find an article and read about it. But you're going to hear this story that's coming up um, from Joy Graves. She's a spiritual leader for the ONAC Native American um, Church. And the, just recently, the church has been going. We've had some updates. Um, we've had Matt Pappas on. We've had Joy Graves on. Um, apparently, the, the law system through the post office and the police and all kinds of all kinds of law enforcement out there has been basically attacking the members um because they use they, there's a law a federal law that says they can use it for spiritual or religious purposes and that's exactly what they're doing however the state laws across across the nation especially in Utah where one of our church members got pulled over at the other day for carrying some cannabis um across the country um, he was in in jail for a couple nights. In fact, I think he might be on the line here too. So what we're going to do is we're going to have Joy come on the show and tell us a little bit what happened, and then we're going to have him come on the show and tell us, you know, uh, what the couple nights of in jail, being incarcerated, was like for him. Um, good morning. Good morning, Joy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Christian. How are you guys? <laughs> Oh, we're hanging in there. We are talking about um, prison love today, so th- things have gotten a little emotional here and there, but
7: we're doing pretty yeah. good. I wanted to point out to you that even though your dad is not physically here, he is always where his heart is, so he's always with you and your mom, and I want to make sure you know that. So Thank you. It yeah. means
0: a lot coming for me because you, you know, I, I feel a lot, every time you come on our show... The things you've said has, has affected my whole day. Your, your your spiritual guidance means a lot. Thank you.
7: Well, thank you. That's what I try to do. <laughs> <laughs> cool. This, though, so I just wanted to make sure you knew that because, you know, I know how hard it is. I lost my dad too. Um, I was going through that 56-year thread of a sentence when I lost him. And, in fact, that's why I didn't go to court last on the 2nd. Because it was my dad's birthday and they were trying to recreate that PTSD for me. And I'm just not, I'm not going to subject myself to that kind of abuse. So I'm sick now. <laughs> oh, I, I
0: understand.
7: I understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Okay.
7: So, you know, we had our package seized in uh, December from the post office. Um, I was able to get uh, Matt to take over some medicine for her. It it was obviously delayed, um, and it wasn't, you know, I don't think quite what they were uh, hoping it was going to be because, you know, Matt was a little nervous taking it on the plane. But we did get her some medicine, and and she um, was doing a lot better. And then the uh, hospital out there discovered that she was using it. And so, yeah, so they cut her off of all of her medication, and she passed away.
2: She passed away?
7: Yeah, she passed away. Um, She had an issue with the trach. trach, She had a trach in. Um, It started swelling, and so, of course, they rushed her to the hospital. The hospital um, acknowledged that it was hemorrhaging, but made the decision to just go ahead and send her home to die, and she suffocated that night, so... What um, her name? Uh, Elaine Salmons was her name. Um, she was a member. Her grandson was a member of my church. Her son originally was a member of a different church in Ohio. And uh, when she was battling the esophagus cancer, um, you know, after the trach and everything was done, um, her son encouraged her to join our church. And, you know, she had absolute faith. She was beating the, the cancer. Um and uh, um, they just, you know, uh, she wanted the ace in the hole. She believed that Creators of Medicine was going to be the ace in the hole for her. And when they see that package, it really broke her spirit. And, uh, you know, that's about the time um, we were scrambling, trying to figure out how to get medicine to her. Um, we had a few members step up and, and provide medicine, which Matt took over and, and, I mean, she she wasn't able to, to really get out of bed or do anything at that point. But once we got her the medicine, she was actually able to get up, move around, um, take care of her animals. She had a couple dogs, um, Pose for pictures with the family. They had a good Christmas. Um, and then on her son's birthday is uh, when he got the call. Um, you know, he was frantic saying that, you know, the hospital um, was refusing to to deal with it. They actually were even refusing, she couldn't breathe. And she in and, and as far as I see it it was an unsafe discharge because she couldn't breathe. She was telling them that. There was blood coming out of her trach. Um, she was putting straws down in her trach trying to, you know, clear the path for her to breathe. They 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 very reluctantly even gave her any kind of suction or anything to pull out, you know, the the, the blood and everything that was going on and it was it was just horrifying for the family to have to have gone through that. Of course, now they're trying to rush the family to get uh, cremation done, and Matt has advised that we not jump at that right now, that we consider a partial autopsy at minimum, you know, just to confirm that it was lack of medical care um, that caused her death. And ultimately, um, you know, like I said, they cut her off when they when they found out she was using cannabis and getting better and gaining weight and standing up and moving. And, you know, um, that's when they cut her off of all of her medications. And that's when they stopped oh, pretty much you know, trying to care for her. And so, yeah, she's passed away. It's just been really hard for me the last couple of weeks now. Joy, she,
0: she will never be forgotten on our show. At the end of every show, I do a rest in peace to all of our heroes that – we lost due to this war, and we will. I will always remember her, and we will always, we will always, always say rest in peace to her and have uh, and honor her on every one of our shows. Oh, well bless your heart,
7: honey. Thank you. I'm sure the
0: family will love to hear that. It deserve deserve to die like that, you know, in the middle of a war. We're fighting over some package that's being sent in the in the mail, and yeah, a package um, means a lot more to the yeah. to. To our people than, than what what the post office is 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 giving us credit for, and what the what the yeah. um, hospitals is giving her credit for, and the doctors.
7: Yeah, yeah. Well, she was in Somerset, Kentucky, and um, you know, I guess apparently they really freak out if someone's using cannabis and actually getting better. That just uh, you know, it's just something they apparently aren't really willing to encourage in their in their hospitals over there and it's scary to think how many other people, you know, are, are in their facilities over there and, you know, could be benefited as she so clearly was, you know, um okay. they're just they're not going to allow it. They would rather people die than to use a plant that's harmless and medically beneficial <laughs> beyond measure. And that's well,
0: that's we've, the we've problem. <laughs> We've got Crockett on the line, and he just went to jail and was denied his medicine. He came out of jail really sick also. We're going to talk to him in just a second about that as well. Um, what uh-huh. happened to the events leading up to his incarceration?
7: Well, um, you know, we've we've been trying to get uh, lawyers to get the TRO filed so that we would have the clear access to the mail. Um, that was just done Friday, so we do have that in place now. Um, we did add Crockett's uh, situation into um, the declaration that was accompanied now. Yeah, we also involved uh, included, um, on the day before Valentine's, our president. Um, as soon as we, I was driving off the church property to go take him to get glasses because of his vision rapidly going down since the police beat him, um, right. and... Didn't even get the tires off the driveway and up comes the cop and whips open the passage door, slams the taser into his chest with one hand while he's grabbing him out of the vehicle the other. Didn't even, didn't even speak at this point to us, you know, and hauled him to jail. And so we bailed him out. He's got court Monday. Um, and then um, of course, you know, trying to deal with the fact that we do have other members that are needing the medicine across country. We, had arranged because at that point we, we we didn't feel safe enough to use the mail um we had uh, Crockett, he's an elder member of our church for a few years um, military veteran um he agreed to take the medicine across the country to get it to the people that we needed it to, and apparently in Utah, which is very discouraging for us right now, being that the the roots of our church is in Utah. Um, Wow! I was born in yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our church originated, or found, it's founded. uh, Earthwalks, our mother church, was found in uh, Spanish Fork, Utah. Now, I don't know where that is at, as far as uh, in regards to Summit County, where Crockett was. But um, basically, they pulled him over. They they said he was. They thought he was speeding. They they. You know, it made it real clear they didn't have any proof of, of any speeding, which I don't think anybody's going through a red a red state is going to be speeding with 13 pounds of cannabis. But here nor there, they said, well, you know, we thought you were going 69. Um, we're not going to give you a ticket, but we need to, uh, you know, run your name and make sure there's no warrants and blah, blah, blah. So they had him going to, the, you know, with willingly go into the back of the patrol car. And apparently while he was in the back of the patrol car, the officer you know, verified he had a license, he had no warrants or anything, um, was supposed to let him go, and then says, well, uh, I thought I smelled marijuana in your car, um, and I'll let Crockett take it from there. Um, okay, okay, let me war. put
0: him on the line. Let me put him yeah. on the line right now. <sighs>
7: okay.
0: Hold on, I'm I'm pressing the button. It takes a second for my computer. <laughs> All right, Crockett, so what happened... What's going on, um Joy was just telling us about how how you were you got pulled over in Utah and you got in trouble for speeding and then they smelled marijuana,
3: well, he said he smelled marijuana after he ran uh my license and found out I didn't have any warrants or any other problems that he could uh uh i guess pick on me with so he then he said he smelled marijuana, which I hadn't smoked in my car for days and it was cleaned out, and it didn't smell like anything except air freshener. And uh, he said uh, he had the, uh, the right to search my car because he thought he smelled marijuana.
7: So after that, you were then, arrested? Or yes, oh, they took me down to the sorry. jail.
3: And uh, they, they denied me. I, I'm, uh, I've am had my uh, some medical issues over the last couple of years, and I'm on some pretty serious medication, uh, pharmaceutical medication which the cannabis really helps me uh, not take so much of the painkillers and things like that. But uh, they denied me my medicine for three days. And uh, on the way home, I passed out in, uh, in a telephone pole.
0: While you were driving? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw a picture of your car, and it was looked thrashed. It just looked total yeah it.
3: it was total. yeah they took all my money uh i didn't have that really that much money on me but i had they they left me with about forty dollars after bail and expenses so i had no other choice but to drive home because uh i couldn't sleep in the car it was too cold and uh, i had nowhere else to go they took my phone so i had no one to, uh no way to contact anybody that could help me and uh it's it, it's just uh, and, and I talk to people in there. And it, a lot of it is the people that I saw. This is the first time I've ever been arrested uh, for anything other than a, a traffic violation type thing. And I saw people in there who they need mental help. They need uh, help with addiction. They just don't need to be put in cages and left to, and, and and left in there so the system can suck money out of them and their family is what it is. Now Crockett, Crockett made it
7: clear Crockett made it clear to them from from pretty much when when the issue of what they call marijuana came up, that he was a member of Aqua Native American Church, that it was sacrament. Um he emphasized to them, you know, the importance of the the patient members that we had um back east, you know, with cancers and, and those types of things. And you know he he tried to explain to them, especially that our church is you know foundationed in Utah, and that it was the Utah Supreme Court that you know cleared us the legal ability to do what we're doing. And the officer was just really, in my opinion, rude about it because he, really, with a sarcastic tone, says to him, he says, "Oh, tell it to the judge," you know. And so yeah. I I you know I feel inclined to to point that out because. A lot of people seem to think that, you know, when you've got the medicine, um, you know, and if you were encountered like that, that police are going to be compassionate or they're going to be humane toward you. Um, You know, even if you have cancer or something along, you know, where where it's seriously is a medicine that's saving your life. I want to make sure that all of your listeners understand, you know, and and Matt Pappas, he, he emphasized that specifically to all of my members that law enforcement are not your friends, you know, right. and they're not going to show you any compassion, and they're not going to give a shit what your what your ailments are or if someone's dying. We had Jason Rios, um, one of our own acts, Ohio, was on his way to treat a 5-year-old girl at the request of her family because she she had a leukemia, she was dying. Um, he had a 100 different herbs in his medicine bundle, and, yes, among that was a little bit of cannabis. You know, but he, he, as a medicine person, you have to assess the person. You have to, you know, look at the symptoms. You have to make determinations on what medicines. You know, whether it's a prescription. We hope that doctors do this. You know, but as medicine right. people, we do. We have to look and really make serious decisions on what kind of medicines. And cannabis is in medicine. Obviously, with cancer, it's it's the, it's a medicine that's on our table. And they arrested him. And you know he tried to explain to him, look, there is a five-year-old girl right now that is dying. Her her family, you know, I need to get there. And and they took the same attitude they did with Crockett. Oh, tell it to the judge, you know, hauled him to jail. And that little girl died while he was in jail, oh. you know. Oh and my so,
2: God.
7: so I mean, it's really kind of I can't emphasize enough to people that you know, even if you have like Crockett, he had a medical cannabis card for a few years. Now with Aqua, you know they make us do memberships they make us record they make us give identification cards because our church is unique in that we don't have that that tribal blood requirement we're allowed to have this religion off of reservation land and the government wanted a way to make sure that you know they that our members could be identified so that we wouldn't be victimized in these ways But yet, even though we're doing the membership, which a lot of people have issues with, you know, why should we have to pay, you know, $25 to be a member of the church? Well, because the government's requiring our church to do that, and and they have told us that if we did it this way, then when our members are encountered like Crockett, and they have, you know, like Jason Hill, then they have their card, and they say, hey, I am an awkward member on the card, it says, on the back of our card, it says. Our members have the right to these medicine sacraments, and it specifically states cannabis, but with Jason as well as with Crockett, oh, tell it to the judge. We don't give a shit. We're not honoring your rights. We're not honoring your religion. We are not. We don't care if the person dies. Tell it to the judge. We're going to nail you. We're going to take your medicine. We're going to keep it out of everybody's hands that needs it or could use it, and and, and hopefully we're going to get to destroy it as we throw you away in prison. And, and Aquabot, we're just really set up. We're really set up with this approach, and we've got a lot of great things. You know, hopefully next month I'll be able to, you know, announce on your show a lot of the directions we're going. But I'll tell you right now, we are done allowing, you know, our members to be victimized. And, we're, and, and you know, again, like I said before on the show, if anything, you know, we're not an umbrella that's protecting people. Aquabot is the shield that is going to go straight through these governments, straight through these law enforcers, and we're going to clear this path for this plant. And once we get it yeah. done with aqua, we're going to turn around and say, okay, now, color a law. What's good for the goose is good for the ganders." If our church members, yeah. native-borns, have the right to this plant, then you can't bust anybody else ever again for this plant. This, is, this has got to stop. Aquala is the church that is, that is going to step up with the shield. We are going to do this. You know we filed the t r o um and and so now that should expedite things and and you know i'm I'm anticipating that you know that Monday when my president appears in court that, that the odds oh, are they're going to try to violate the the t r o you know just just to further damage our church and so i have already got the lawyers ready we've already got the letters you know drawn up and and we're not we're not going to tolerate this they since we filed that there has been three. Actually, there's been more like five attacks on our church, you know, from me being arrested to my president, to Crockett. Uh, we had another member that was harassed, you know. Well, what's in your van? We know what what your your church leader has in her car, you know. Uh, and then they had his door kicked in, saying a welfare check, but it wasn't a welfare check. When they're saying, "What? Why was your church in that rally? And who do you guys think you are?" Filing an injunction with the government, it, it, it's retaliatory. It's plain and simple. They're scared to death of us because they know that we are not going to stop until we've got this changed. And so I just want, you know, to reassure your listeners and reassure Crockett and and, and all of our members, you know, we're not going to just put our tail between our legs and and limp away because they're attacking us. They're going to have to kill us to get us Uh to stop.
0: I believe you, Roy, I believe yeah. you. You're so strong and determined. <laughs> um, I know. I've I've seen you in action, and I I, I personally admire your fight. And I admire that your church is standing up to this. The way they are standing up to it, it is amazing. And we're getting um, a lot of
7: criticism for it, Kristen. We are. I mean, like the Native American church um, in Oklahoma. You know that that, that was the original church. Um, James, uh, our our founder for for Earthwalks and and all of Onac, um, you know his great grandfather helped establish the Native American Church in Oklahoma back in 1815. We still follow the code of ethics that he wrote in all wow. all of the churches too. But the Native American Church, which really is frustrating to me, they have decided to publicly stand against us, and they have outwardly had it published saying. It's because we are recognizing cannabis as a healing sacrament, and we are using it in our church, and so they are standing against us. They, it, it, and they're actually getting downright racist about it as they're doing it. You know, well, you're not born wow. on a reservation, and you don't have the blood. You know, we're not back. You guys are a fake church and all this. It, it's really sad. And and then they'll, they'll come behind closed doors, and they'll say, well, we're just afraid that, you know, if you guys lose, then the tribes are going to lose the ability, you know, to access the plant. I said, you guys are too chicken shit to step up and defend the plant. We're doing it, and and you're afraid that we might not win, so you're, what, you're just going to start attacking us and discrediting us publicly? What kind of sense is that? It's an ugly
0: war out there. It is an ugly war out there and it's yeah. it, it's going on between not just in the in the, the the Native American churches but it's clear it you know not just obviously going on there but it's going on in a lot of the groups out there um and it really just needs to stop we all just need to be um one and be unified as one regardless of what group we're from or whatever the case yeah. may be we all still have that that same belief that the cannabis cures and so that's that's what that's what we stand behind
3: Absolutely. It's almost a, it's almost the same situation that was going on in Ferguson, where you have the law enforcement using uh, the public to fund right, to to pay for their toys, to pay for their uh, right. guns and, and their and their uh, and their armored personnel carriers that they think they need now. So they're targeting they've been for years and years targeting the cannabis community as a source of revenue. It's not that they're – if you talk to a lot of them personally, it's not that they have anything against marijuana. It's just that it's against the law. And they don't want the laws changed, like the prison guard union. They don't want the laws changed because there's less prisoners, less prison guards. So it so basically Crocket, comes down to greed.
0: Crockett, your time, your couple of days you spent in jail, um, tell us what that was like, three days in jail. What was What was jail like for – non-violent crime how did how did you feel when you're incarcerated and what
3: what was that like my first time that i've been incarcerated like that not in jail uh and uh i met met a lot of people uh, a lot of young guys basically in their early 20s who need guidance and uh help rather than being put in cages there's people in there who are there for legitimate reasons and they should be in there Right. But there's other 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 inmates that I met who just needed re, uh, needed some help with uh, rehabilitation. There's some and uh, this needed basic help. They didn't have the foundation growing up for for whatever reason to to have a a, a a steady life. And and it seems like our government is not interested in helping people if they can get money out of them. And they make money out of these guys by selling them uh, food at a, a marked up, marked up food. They sell, they charge them a lot for phone calls, uh, and it's just it's a way it, it's it's a way it's just keeping people down and stepping on them that really need help and not incarceration. So you're, so you're saying, saying
7: that helpers that are with Crockett's situation, they took his cell phone from him. Okay, which I understand when you go into jail. I mean, they took my phone as well. But when I was released, they gave me my phone back, and they didn't give Crockett his phone back. And that bothers wow. me. I mean, they didn't allow him to make a phone call. Um, they had to, they made him the only option he had was he had to post his own bail, so he could not get into get a hold of the church. We have bail sponsors. Our church does. In fact, a week and a half ago, we bailed five people out of jail from ONAC that were that were arrested for having the sacraments. And we're dealing with it. We've got 30 cases right now going in court, you know. But they didn't allow him a phone call to get a hold of the church so that we could have arranged bail for him. Um, then when they they pretty much you know his only hope they're they're depriving him of his medication, you know. He's he's, he's expressing to them. Look, I need to have my thyroid medication. I need to have my diabetes medication. These, these are not, you know, these are not luxuries. These are necessities. These are medical necessities. They had the medication there. They refused to give it to him. They refused to let him call to get a hold of anybody to let anybody know what was going on, that he was in there and what they were doing. And then pretty much, you know, they, the only option he had to help himself was to post his own bail, which fortunately, you know, most of our members don't have that, that capability. I know I didn't have that capability, you know. Right. Um, most of us live hand-in-mouth. Most of us live on Social Security or disability or retirement or, you know, the sub, sub-poverty level income, most of us do. And so they took all the money but $40 he had, so he had to bail himself out just so he could, you know, have the ability to take his medication, Get out of that cage, get out from being, you know, treated, you know, like he says, a caged animal, because they don't treat you human in there at all. They treat you like you're a, an object, like a dog, that they can just come along and do what they want and feed if they want, when they want, you know. It's it's their schedule. Yeah. And and then they finally, he bails himself out with just 40 bucks to get from Utah back to Oregon. And they, they, yeah, they gave him his message, but they, they took his phone. Now, he's had blood work done, and he's seen doctors, of course, I mean, especially after the accident. The doctors and everybody have concluded, had he not have been deprived of his medication while he was in jail, the odds are next to nil no that that he would have blanked out, you know, and, and that he would have had that that accident. And it, it did. It totaled his, his vehicle, um, you know, and he wow. he's on Social Security as well, you know. Uh, no, member. I'm not.
3: i applying for social security. Well, he's applied. <laughs> I'm <on nothing. laughs> uh,
7: and, uh, Hello, uh, Joy, and
1: and uh, uh, this is uh, this is Eugene, the co-host with Christian. And, uh Hello, hello. Crackett. I just want I want to make an observation that you both are bringing up so well. We're talking about America and where it's gone and what it's done. Uh, I. There should be moral outrage in this country that we have, let's just start with numbers, that we have the biggest prison population in the world. There should be moral outrage. Uh, I did 25 years for marijuana, and I know so many people who've done these long sentences. And Mm -hmm. our program today Joy and Crockett is on, on prison love. And, and, of course, one of the things that uh, uh, George Maturano was a fellow prisoner when me brought up and we interviewed him earlier in the program, these long sentences that's part of our incarceration today are just totally destructive, everything.
2: Yeah, are the
1: antithesis of, of love. They're, they're hate. And and is this what America stands for? Yeah. I issue no. that challenge. I issue that challenge to every citizen of this country. Is this what we stand for? Is this yeah, where we no.
7: come? Nope. Because to me it makes no difference whether Crockett was under arrest, which means that he's, you know, supposed to be innocent till proven guilty. He was deprived of the medications to the point where it could have cost his life on that, you know, on that trip. Well, he, he, they did cost my dad's life. Myself. They my yeah. dad was on thirty
0: two yep. meds when he went in, and his autopsy only showed that he was on three. So, I mean, that's what happened that's, after yeah. after you know it could have been four or five days. He would have probably ended up very sick and in the medical ward, and you know, it's to me, it's just a matter of time before yeah. our prisoners pass away in prison because it's just the lack of, of treatment. Period. Um, you guys we've, and we've only got and 12 there's 12. your
7: dad, there's your dad kristen, and he's he's in that bed, and he's just so so far you know going that they they call you down there, you come mm-hmm. in there, and he's shackled to the bed um what I the, didn't know what that. that I didn't know that
0: joy until after he passed um they took the covers off of him, and he was still shackled there. In fact, it's something. It's been five years since the raid started, and it's been driving me nuts inside. A, a guilty feeling, like how come I didn't make sure they took those shackles off of him before he died? And it's been driving me nuts. But yes,
7: I'm still shackled because to the like Because you assumed that they were humane enough to let the man die with a little right. bit of a feeling of a freedom. Freedom. You know, no, they it's wanted it's him shackled down and. That's just horrifying. That's horrifying. And I think that the the listeners need to really stop and listen to this. You know, whether it's Crockett almost dying on the telephone pole because they're not giving him medicine and he hasn't even been convicted, much he hasn't even been arraigned. Or it's your dad that's in there on a bullshit charge, being deprived of his medication to the point where he's dying and they don't even have the decency to uncuff and shackle him as he's dying. With his family right there when they know damn well it's not like he was going to get up and become, you know, He Man or something and just start taking the guards out and bring them out. It's ridiculous Put the up. way they treat people less right, than human.
1: Right. Joey, let yes. me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'll say this factually. I've been shackled to the bed. In my 25 years, I was chronically ill several times and they took me out. It's policy of the a policy of the United States of America, because that's what they say. In the United States of America, the federal government, it's policy to shackle a sick prisoner to the bed.
7: And you it's see, policy. it's just like Matt said, you know, they are not our friends. None of them right. are our friends. Right. None of them are humane. None of them are com- they, they, they Especially they, they when they pretend,
3: to- they pretend that they're doing something. Uh, they say I'll, I'll check on this or I'll call this person, and you don't hear anything else from them.
7: Yeah, yeah, but they, they lie. They
3: act like they're doing something, but they did nothing. I, I constantly tweet about my medicine. I and uh, I, it, it's just it's just a shame that third world countries treat their people better than the uh, well, United States of America.
1: Back in, we had an interview with a prisoner today, Craig Cecil, and he told us that a new policy that the BOP is talking about putting into effect is to have guards with pepper spray ready and able... And,
0: taser, and, and tasers,
1: and tasers, and tasers. To, to use them if they felt they had to control a prisoner. Well, now, you guys, we've what, only got... We're hearing from what happened to you, Crockett, in your situation... Now, I can tell you, as having done many years in prison, I shudder to think that a guard's going to say, hey, I've got to control this guy. or if Having a in yeah. prison. And use, <laughs> use tasers and tear gas and other things on them. I shudder to think about it.
0: Yeah, so yeah. you guys, we with- I don't mean to interrupt, but we only have 10 minutes left, and we have uh, one more caller, Tom Corby, on the line. So um, I want to thank you, Joy, and Crockett, for your Crockett, especially you for your sacrifices, and Joy for your sacrifices also. But, Crockett, I, I'm glad you got out of, alive. Um, I am glad that you got out of your car accident alive. And are you home back now in, in Oregon?
3: Yes, I am. And thank you very much okay. for giving us a voice in this. I appreciate it.
0: Well,
1: oh thank man, you. We, we love invite you time. both back. We invite you both back to continue to edit, edify our listeners and tell your stories. We invite um, you. Well, thank you very much.
7: Thank you, Joy. Thank Is you there question. anything else you want to say? Well, like I said, we've got the TRO filed Friday, um, so as soon as we get any updates, um, you know, on on the cases, we'll definitely let you know. Um, I will. Get you some more information on you know we have we have other things too that you, I don't know if you might be interested or not but I'll send you some stuff and you can you okay. know decide if things that you want addressed on the show or not. Um, okay. Bless you guys' hearts for what you're doing. It, it mm-hmm. means the world because you know people go through this and, and Croc's not the first one. I've had a lot of you know people that have never been in trouble with the law before that you know they they don't understand until it happens to them you know what's going on and so it's so gratifying to know that you guys you know you're 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 keeping that light on the law you know and you're you're letting the public know that you're giving them this resource so that they know you know so that you know if god forbid the time comes when they encounter law enforcement they keep this show in their mind and they will realize okay even though they're playing nice even though they're acting like they're human they're not when they've got that badge on they they become a monster and and they, they they act like they have the god power around here, and, and you know they can just do what they want. And it's it's really important, you know, what you guys are doing both in and out of the prisons, because this is not just, you know, I, we all know prison. They are they're victimized beyond. They, their dignity is stripped. Their 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 confidence is, is shot, and they they just keep pounding and pounding for every day that you're in there. You're at their control. You're at their whim. And they're going to make you suffer because they—they they, it makes them feel emasculated or whatever. But this yeah. is also happening outside the prisons, too. And and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to let Crockett come on and tell what has happened, you know, and, and he hasn't even gone to arraignment yet. So we're going to have to see, you know, what the state's going to do. but. You know, this, this it's the government, and I think it's really important people understand that we all are under the same oppressor. It doesn't matter our color. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter our blood. It, it doesn't matter if it's a plant or if it's, you know, a, a protest or whatever. We have rights, and our church yeah. is here to do everything we can for, for everybody here, member or not, to try wow. to protect, you know, everybody's rights and freedoms, and, and it's shows like yours that just, you know, they're godsend to us that are out here on the front lines trying to send Because without you guys there reporting it to society, you know it, it remains isolated, and that's, that's right. part of the problem. You know, so thank yeah. you guys so much for for continuing to let us, you know, be part of your show and and keeping you informed and, and and keeping the listeners informed of what what's going on. You know, like I said, we've had at least five attacks on our church since January, since we filed this injunction, it tells me that they're obviously scared of us because they know, you know, that, that yeah. it's not just me. We have a lot of ONAC heads out here. We have a lot of tribes backing us. You know, we might have a few that are are, are resentful and scared and pissy or whatever, but we have, we have the support that we need. And I guarantee you within the next month, two months, you, you're going to see, the world's going to see amazing, amazing stands and, 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 progress forward in this fight. We're going to get this done. And our church is going to I be a big part of making sure that it gets done because we're I tired.
0: It. <laughs> so. I believe it, Joy. Thank you. Thank you for for coming on our show and being a voice of the cannabis war. And, and thanks, you guys, for your sacrifices as well. All
5: um, right, have a nice guys, day. Well, thank you. You're going nice your a Bye. Have a great
1: day. We'll move on to our ne- last listener, our last participant. You have Tom Carberry coming on, Christian
0: yeah, Tom Corby and Eugene today is Tom's birthday. Um,
1: oh, he, I happy don't know how old he is.
0: Hold on, let me do happy here. birthday. It's, it's, he must be
1: 39 today. Like um, Jack I think so. 39 he perpetually.
2: Yes.
0: I hear he is. And I I hear he's up there celebrating with um Dr. David Allen. Are you are you guys having a, have some fun up there, Tom? Down there, Kelly. Happy yeah. birthday.
3: Oh. Thank you, Christian, Eugene. I always thank all the folks on the front line, helping us come together and be the solution to Prohibition, to deschedule cannabis, not reschedule and free all our POWs. It's so great to hear Craig Cecil, George Toronto, Joy Grave, and all our POWs that, that are fighting the cannabis war on drugs when we talk uh, about the Human Solution International, uh, we talk about court support, how important it is. Uh, in Northern California, we can continue to set precedents. Uh, just recently, in Yalva County, we had two huge acquittal, jury acquittals, which, when we th- talk about jury acquittals, we talk about what Dr. Allen says, jury nullification. No there's no victim, there's no crime. As actually... As a juror, you not only have the right, but the obligation to veto bad laws. Uh, We not only had the Pure Life acquittal uh, with Lisa Gordon. Not acquittal. uh, Acquittal. Uh, Jury acquittal up in uh, El Dorado County. And then... uh, Not guilty for a No, not not bad. That's right, Doc. And then... uh, uh just a, uh, what a week later, Aaron O'Neill's case up in Lake Tahoe, El Dorado County. Oh uh, yes. Uh we had another acquittal with uh, Joseph Tully. Uh, it's not an
2: acquittal. Not an acquittal. It's, it's not an
5: acquittal. Not guilty. Well, if he was found not guilty by all twelve jurors. It's totally different than an acquittal. They can never recharge him. He's free to go, we won.
3: Well, okay. Uh, anyway, so
5: we uh, <laughs> love you guys.
3: David, David and Sue, Sue Colum's here with David Allen. They were both uh, there, and uh, they would like to maybe share a little bit of their experience cool. uh, with Sue Colum. Oh, we
5: channel,
3: like uh, Hello,
5: how are you guys doing? Hi Sue. Oh. It's
0: been a while since I heard from you. How are you?
5: I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I was a witness and. Aaron O'Neill's case, and um, it was quite interesting what I witnessed and saw and my perspective of how the case went. And he was – I was um, brought on the stand and asked questions, and I got to interpret what the law stated. Um, As long as you you give your perspective of what the law is and you don't state it, you say I believe this is what the law allows me to do, that you're entitled to interpret the law in front of the jury Um, and so I basically explained to the jury how I have the right to use cannabis medicinally um, based under the Attorney General Guidelines Prop 215 and SB 420. I sued the mayor and all uh, the state um, and that I won. I was paid um, out of an administrative hearing and changed Medi-Cal law and Aaron was actually the grower in my case, and that I was denied the medicine that the courts were accepting as replacement medicine. Um, and cannabis is the only replacement medicine for Marinol and the, um, sheriff decided upon herself to take medicine away from patients. And we had three patients die. Um, and what they did was they read the, the patient's testimony into the record, um, into the case, And it was very compelling to the jury. And so um, it didn't take long for them to determine that um, Aaron was actually not brewing illegally for profit or sales. And that um, there were um, 279 pounds, I believe. Um, Wow. Good job. Even the dog barked on that one.
2: (laughs) It was quite...
5: um, Great, and so Joseph Tully was spectacular, Um, and one of the greatest things I felt in my own testimony was when Joseph asked me um, about the sample that Aaron had given me prior to becoming a member of the collective, because we're allowed to be members and patients and trade medicines here and there, so he gave me a quarter ounce, and the DA thought that was unbelievably big. And even the judgment, it was, well, it's a quarter ounce. And see, Joseph Tully says, well, when you were given this sample, and the DA goes, oh, no, wait, it's a quarter ounce. And the judge goes, yeah, it's a quarter ounce. And I said, well, wait a minute, you guys. My testimony states it was a sample. I have a 33-pound recommendation, and a quarter ounce is a legitimate sample. Move on. And so you're just kind of dumbfounded because you're going to say my testimony is different, and you can't. And so I brought the conversation back to my testimony. Joseph, they, they just kind of went, whoa, okay. And then Joe just asked the question again, okay, about your your quarter ounce sample. And the jury is listening to this because, honestly, you how many people eat beef? And if you do, you eat about 270 pounds per year. And I only eat 33 pounds of cannabis, so I win, okay, and that's a vegetable. And, and it's ridiculous to tell me what you think I need. And then Dr. Badgley testified, and and it was grand because um, he's um, he's a genius and he he knows math and he understands the complexity of the 420 law, and and explained to the jury how under People versus Kelly that David Kevin Kelly this this guy um, sued in Butte County and was afforded the right to state that nobody can tell him what kind of cannabis he has, how much he gets or anything, unless the doctor states it. So that was put on the state attorney general guidelines as case law, and those are the laws that actually govern what we're supposed to watch. Court, you know, there's three branches of judicial power that makes laws, you know, Congress, the president, and courts. Where where's local government-related in this. These are administrative issues. And so what we're looking at is administrative bodies of local government making order on top of constitutional law. And if you look up people versus Kelly, the exact definition of that it was legislation was doing nothing but tampering with constitutional law when they put a limit of six plants and eight ounces for patients when S and when Crop two fifteen states no limit. And so therefore we can have 200 pounds plus in our cannabis collective because you can't tell us how much medicine we can use. And the state kind of says so, and you're supposed to follow those, but you didn't call any patients. You didn't call any doctors. You didn't do any verification. So the police failed to do any investigation. And then they possibly staged a, tried to stage a mistrial in Aaron's case, and this was witnessed by a whole bunch of people and so there's possible chances that somebody, not us, who are working in law enforcement might get in trouble for um, actually witness tampering and some other criminal offenses that they charge patients with when they're doing it themselves.
0: Right.
2: And so um, we won
5: this, you guys, and it was right oh, after yay. Pure Life won.
0: I love hearing that. I love hearing that because, you know, a lot of times our jurors are scared to make that... Um here to not convict, and the fact that they didn't convict is beautiful.
5: Oh, it was spectacular on how it went you, guys down are,
0: you guys are ending prohibition in Northern California.
5: Yeah, I think we're we're doing it one joint at a time. We have a joint resolution, right. and we'll be blunt about it. <laughs>
2: Sue, that's
1: exactly Sue. That's exactly what we have to do. That's right. This, uh, to end this ridiculous war on people, on cannabis, on us. One at a time, we have to seek victories. That's exactly how to do it. One little step at a time, and all of a sudden, we work, walk the long mile
5: or walk long 1,000-mile walk. Right, and huh? and for the soldiers out there who have, you know, spent time in prison and jails and, and done trials, um, they are the PODWs of the drug war, which are prisoners of the drug war, because POWs is a foreign war off land. This is a war that our president created for the citizens to incarcerate us and in the world's largest corporation of brand of, of, uh, self-regulated prison. You should
1: mention our Reagan. Oh, and
5: Nancy Reagan died, you guys, just to let you know. She was the founder of Just Say No. What kind of crazy shit is that? That's my job, John. Mm-hmm. I get, not you. <laughs> she died today, you guys. So I, I I feel that part of the drug war had just ended again today.
2: The wow, "Just Say No"
5: campaign okay, died today. Think about it. Yeah. Wow, there's another celebration. <laughs> we should have like a calendar. Day. <laughs> so think about that. You guys, they let's start a petition. Put a calendar day for all the drug war people that are dying. We need to put a calendar and, and let everybody know that this is the end of a a, a travesty and. Our, our American we need to make it great again. So grow yes. grow weed. <laughs> yeah. Grow weed. Thank Just you so yes. much for letting me share our <laughs> story you. and
0: Doctor Allen.
5: Okay, hey Doctor Allen. Yay. What
0: I do you know. think about Love in Prison?
3: Love in prison. Um yeah. well I well, didn't I didn't research. see I didn't see any love in prison, so I don't i to be comment about that.
5: That's too much of a uh, um, uh, subject for him because he's a PTSD with a uh, prison of the drug oh, okay. war. He was incarcerated, so maybe a lighter sentence questions would be better. <laughs> <laughs> I really well, that was, was the topic of thought. the show, and I know I know
0: I'll, I'll answer for him. You guys, um, uh, I'll just answer for him, and we'll move on. Doctor Allen lost his whole family because of um, prison, basically, so because of the war. So. I know his thoughts aren't great, but we all love him. He gained another family, and that's that's the cannabis family that um, that he's with. We love you. You love you, um, Dr. Allen. I know you're having a good time up there. Um, were you able to yeah. sit in the trial as well?
3: I was. Um, the the prosecutor uh, was actually a hired gun. He he was a retired prosecutor from another county, and he was a, uh, really against marijuana cases. And all the other prosecutors in the in in that county were like refusing these kind of cases, and so they hired this guy to come out of retirement to prosecute these cases. And he he's uh, oh. he doesn't know, so so he's really and, and he's trying dirty tricks. They actually accused me of passing out jury nullification pamphlets, and actually I I didn't do that. Uh, oh. But I was uh, I was proud to be accused of that, and apparently <laughs> they, they got a jury nullification pamphlet from Kavai Floyd at a previous um, uh, court support thing. Uh, apparently they sent, the prosecutor sent girls from the office out to get some pamphlet from Kavai, uh, and uh, so that's where they got this pamphlet, and they, I think they w- were trying to cause a mistrial. So these guys are they're underhanded. They're losing the war. The jury spanked the prosecutor, and uh, wow. and and what and this is massive jury nullification because they they actually won the case. It's not just one juror that that nullified this law. It's the whole jury told wow. told these people that this is a bad business plan, and you should not try this business plan on our society again. And so hopefully. Uh, when when more people tell the prosecutors it's inappropriate to prosecute people for using cannabis, no matter if there's two hundred and seventy pounds involved or not, it's wrong to send wow. people to jail for for a plant. And uh, yep. so I'm real proud of you guys, and I'm so pr- proud of the uh, people that supported Aaron O'Neill. Aww,
0: cool. Well, thanks. Thank you for thank you for coming on the show today, Doctor Allen. Um, right, is there well, anything well, else you guys want to say before we um, before we um, do our closing? We just love you guys. We love you
2: guys. Right, no we, love. News. we love you
1: too and appreciate you. Thank you very much
8: for everything Staying you're before. So for. And, and so I just uh, want
1: our audience to know the voices we heard are, are objecting to What we do concerning cannabis and objecting to what has become a jail, a prison state, the United States of America, we must be ashamed that we have 2.4 million Americans in prison in this country, the country we call the land of the free. How can we possibly have more people than any other nation in the world in prison? Something mm-hmm. is wrong. Thank you. Thank you both for everything you've said. And
0: you do. For sure. Thank you. For sure. Oh, you guys, that um, was um that was Tom Corby. That was Tom Corby and Dr. Allen and Sue Columbine and also Donna Corby from Northern California. Um they are human solution members. Um they they coordinate a lot of court support up in Northern California. And they are responsible for ending a lot of the war up there. In fact, I just saw an article about Northern California and how how detrimental they are. And that's where most of our growers came from is Northern California. So the war is really, really deep up there. And without, without Tom Corby and the whole crew up there, um, it, things wouldn't look good for the rest of us. So um, there are heroes out there that are not in prison, that are out here trying to make things better for our prisoners. Um, but we're going to go with closing now because we are ten minutes past past our time. Eugene, is there anything you want to say before we close today's show out?
1: No, I was just amazed. It was wonderful that we even extended our exceeded our time, Chris. Oh, we had some. Good, I have two. Good things Eugene, I came have out, Came out of it, yes.
0: I have two things. I'm going to do this really fast, you guys, because we we've all been on this on here for a couple hours. But I just have two a couple little news news stories here, real quick. Um, we just want to say that we've got. Um, Hold on, I'm trying to get up there to the, to it. We've got so many people in prison for our plant right now, um, including my dad's business partner, who I'm just going to give a brief, a brief update on him. He was just recently um, caught, I guess you can say, sending emails to an activist out here who is helping him get his story on his Facebook wall. And he's been put possibly on lockdown. I don't believe he is, though, but I have a message here for him. I'm trying to get to it. My computer's been acting a little funny today, but um, I'm trying to get up to it. but in the meantime, I also want to tell you guys to please make sure that you um that you vote not guilty if you ever call a jury duty um please go onto to my Facebook wall or Google Richard DeLisi and sign his petition. He had about eighty five hundred a couple of days ago, and he wants to get ten thousand apparently. The governor might read it if he gets 10,000. So um, please sign Richard DeLisi's petition. It is very, very important. And then here's a message from Chad Latham. Life has been going good here for me. I interviewed with an IT position last week and have another interview this Wednesday this week. I'm really happy to be home with my mom. She's trying to fatten me up, I think. So it's time to get back into exercising more. It's been hard when I can really leave this place, but certainly not impossible to probation in 45 days. No more ankle monitor, then open travel in western Washington. Yeah, life has been so much more normal at that point. Uh, Chad Lantham is a recently released prisoner who got out for a plant. Uh, Obama just sentenced him. He's from my part of the state, uh, Tacoma, Washington, where I lived for 25 years. So uh, Mindy wanted us to make sure we um, put Chad's message out there. So um, now we're going to go into closing. Like I just said, vote not guilty. You just heard what happened in northern California when they voted not guilty. Nobody went to jail for a plant. It's, it's the way it's going to go down. Um, That's called jury nullification. It's it's your ability to judge not only if the law has been broken, but to actually judge the law. And if you think it's a bad law, you can say not guilty. It helped in slavery, and it helped in alcohol prohibition. Another way we can end prohibition today, okay, is by not telling the government each other's information, called snitching. Well, we you know, it's known as snitching, but it's really, it's tattling. It's it's giving them the information they need to make evidence against somebody else so that that person doesn't have to go to jail. Well, if the information wasn't out there telling on each other and things like that, they would have a lot less to work with. And it's likely they wouldn't get you or them. If nobody snitched, they ain't going to have that many prisoners. So um, we need to make the prison population go down by not snitching and by voting not guilty. Um, we want to just thank CCHI, Oh, oh, well, before we thank CCHI, I want you to encourage everybody to get a, a copy of the North or the Vegas Canon magazine, and also the Northwest Leaf or the Oregon Leaf, where you will hear the news right from the front lines in those magazines of what's going on. Um, and we also want to thank CCHI. It's an initiative down in Southern Cal or in California that they're trying to get past. It's the Jack Kerr initiative, which will help free prisoners. And they give us a voice. This is their their radio show platform and they give us a show on their platform so we want to thank them for giving us a voice um now next we're going to go we're going to do some rest in pieces because it's sunday and i'm going to do them quickly because we're 15 minutes in overtime but first of course we got to say rest in peace to my father richard floor i'm just going to leave it at that because i don't want to cry again this morning but um nobody deserves to go to jail or die for a plant Um, next we're going to say rest in peace gary shepherd and Mary Jane Jones, and I could go on and on about them too. But all I'll say is that nobody deserves to get shot down 20 times for a plant. Both of them did, Gary and Mary Jane. Oh, while they're holding their little baby in their arms. No, not no, Prohibition needs to end. Rest in peace, Jack Harris, who taught us all about Prohibition. You can read his book, Emperor Old Clothes. Rest in peace, Bill Lamort who we just heard a story from him at about 9.45 today. Eugene told us all about how this hero died on the 4th of July, serving a life sentence for a plant. He died after 20 years in prison. Can you imagine 20 years? You go to prison and you just never get out. You just die there. Well, Bill found love in prison, so I don't believe he died alone. I believe he died with his his love and his thoughts. Rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who wrote us motivational books, um, and he also died for our plant, Larry Harvey, who died with cancer because the plant is um, federally legal and his whole family was facing charges, while Larry helped, helped change some things in D.C. for us. Also, th- uh, rest in peace to Dee Young, who gave us Adam. Rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called into our show today. Rest in peace to Spencer Cotsis and Cassie Hyde, who were getting their medicine and the people they were getting their medicine from got raided and their brain tumors grow because they didn't have access to the medicine and they passed away, two little children in the war. Also, rest in peace for Bernardo Funum Aquinas, who was helping us educate the, the world about prohibition. Also, rest in peace to Oscar, Eugene and George Moncherono's friend, who went to FCI in the sky. And I don't want to forget, um, we talked to Joy Graves earlier, there was a little girl who they took um, the medicine from the little girl. Or, or no, the, the little girl wasn't able to get the medicine, and she passed away. And then there's also a lady by the name of uh, Elaine Salmon, and Elaine, um, the ONAC tribe, um, Joy Graves, she was a member of the ONAC tribe, and Joy Graves was coming onto our show and she was letting us know about what was going on with the postal system taking confiscating their medicine that was on their way to a church member. That church member has passed away. Rest in peace to her. Um, she should not have to die about not having access to your medicine or anything like that So we love you all who have sacrificed and passed away And we urge you all who are not passed away To please help us in prohibition So that nobody else has to pass away Thank you for listening to our show And have a beautiful Sunday Oh, listen to this song We really like it here so bad, to I
2: You to not Why
8: Life ain't like it, a raid saves, man. It ain't a sport, got these evil politicians contorting the truth, and these wicked ass witches, according to you, to tell you the truth, man. I- can't hack this, I'm losing my patience Like a damn malpractice 2012 and they still manifest in destiny, with military, industry Complex style weaponry, depriving Heads of righteous men, while sipping on their Hennessy CIA means coke in America Apparently, it's been A narco-plutocracy since the 70's Corporations profiteering, domineering Everything, radio press News in the media, you better Learn to discern from the bullshit that they're Feeding you like GMOs From Monsanto, ringing alarm. Family farm, so man can't grow.
2: Everywhere, everywhere I go, I not know why. Everywhere I go, I not figure out Everywhere I go, not figure, figure, figure out why. why? why? I not
8: why. Everywhere I go, not why. I can not figure out why. I not I not Rag, rag, rag. he went wage war upon the next man and failed to wage war upon himself. The spiritual warfare. Give them father who they do not know. Now when I say no more, you say war, no more. No more. Hey yo, we've had questions, but they blacked animals. Time for peaceful revolution, like the Black Panthers. Cause we got solutions, yup, the answer to cancer. But they still got it up on schedule one. Why? Cause they making funds off of federal runs. Selling American guns for drugs and Mexican slums. The vast in the furious. Killing off our children. Time to make a stand standard demand, the masses furious. why you us Oh, why you to war? For war, while they kids' education is ruined more. Fun spent for spy killing drones, while CNN and Patriots commercials breed human drones from home. Recording scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit. So the real plan of extinction, you don't get it. The country surrounding Israel, the holy land, is now being in W O committed. The war is spiritual, but through the mind, the actions is how they get it. Or Should I say the they say it's oil But it's deeper than that It's just more smoke than the mirror So I radiate more hope clearer Shed tears with my peers The judgment day gets nearer So I exercise it's mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines Of a conscious mind the world can explore So maybe you can find out why It's bring us to war Some of the most powerful things are the thought
2: that is made us men too too Some of the most cowardly shit you That's ever known to me know. Respect, loyalty Blood has all disappeared,
4: and been replaced with gunshots, body bags, and cannibalism must now appear.
8: You see we murder our disagreements and we shake hands with our
4: enemies? We shake
8: hands with our enemies and murder our disagreements The put us kind a of pedestal with some sort of achievement. a Man is not based on the people you shot at how food you can fight. a Man is one who's able to feed his family when times are tight We are in a recession, suffering depression. So lower your Bibles and load your weapons. How many times must we pray before we start losing our blessings? How many loved ones must we lose before we call ourselves a lesson? Reach one, each one, teach one, one empowered